And it says we're live. Yes, as opposed to dead. <laughs> Can't stand this guy. Watch, let me see. Watch this. Let's see what we got here. There we go. I'm on. I'm on. Oh, lovely. you rat! Yeah, I'm. I'm. A, I'm on Lovely's uh, uh, account. So, oh wow! On her her YouTube channel. So we're doing well, all this. Her hair is way better than yours, anyway. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Welcome. So, is it recording? Because now we're live, or yeah, yeah. Okay. Now, can you hear Lovely clearly? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. And how I about my buddy? Yeah. And I can hear your hair. Oh, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> it says Dio, what's up? Jack, no, okay. So you can hear us good to go. So we're good. Um, that's fantastic. All right, so let's start. Awesome. Um, today, folks. Well, first, welcome to Couples Corner. Is Johnny and lovely, and we have I would say a special guest, but he's not really that special. Um, and we have <laughs> Mister <laughs> Blending the Family himself podcaster, author, um, a speaker, um, Mr. On the stage from TEDx to authoring books of my dad's advice at 4 or 5 a.m. to 25 tips of divorced dads. We have Mr. Tommy Maloney in the house. Yes. Let's welcome. Let's welcome Tommy to the podcast. Jeez. Tommy, how you doing? I'm doing way better than your hair. Look, it's a good thing this is uh, audio, and your your <laughs> listeners cannot see that frock. That uh, that that I, I love it because I'm jealous. That's what it is. I'm actually jealous because you have more hair than I do, and so I'm wearing a hat right now for right. for all the listeners. I wear a hat because I'm follically challenged. And you know what? I can probably hook you up with, with a proper doctor for that. Uh, oh get you some transplant from the back of your head to the front of your head. No, no, uh, no, no, because the, I'm aerodynamic that way. So, well, okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it makes him smooth when he goes on the slopes in Colorado. You see that? <laughs> so, what have you been up to? Great question. Uh, first of all, thank you for the two of you allowing me to uh, be on your podcast. Huge fan, long-time caller, first-time listener, and <laughs> I'm just excited after hearing, oh my gosh, from the first episode to you know your latest episodes, I, I just love Couples Corner, and you. awesome. you're, you're welcome. For me, what's going on? Um, I, I can't think right now. It's too early. I'm only on my second cup of coffee. The oh well, I have my own podcast too called Blending the Family, the podcast, and I'm very excited. This is you're getting ex exclusive here. Okay, you ready? Okay, we're ready. Okay. Uh, one of my hockey heroes and his wife will be on my podcast. His name is Clint Malarchuk, and if your listeners. Um, have ever heard of that name? Uh, Clint's backstory essentially is he almost died playing uh, the sport he loved. He was playing for the Buffalo Sabres back in the 80s, and a skate uh, cut his jugular vein. Oh, no. I know exactly who you're talking about now. Yeah, so Clint Malarchuk has gone through uh, heck and back. And because of the 
relationship with his wife, Joni, um, a very strong, strong relationship. And I was honored to uh, see them speak here in, in the Denver, Colorado area a couple years ago. It, it just proves, and, and I think the two of you are, are a prime example of having uh, somebody strong with you, somebody that, you know, the yin and the yang, and watching and listening to what Clint went through through the years of um, mental health because it, it really jacked him up. I mean, there you are literally bleeding to death um, in front of 20,000 fans. And he talks about in his book, he talks about how he went back to the ice too soon. And this is, this is way before, you know, sports psychology. And, um, this is where men were men and, you know, one little skate cut. Oh, I'm good. I can get back out there. And so again, you know, talking about, you know, having somebody, you know, with you as far as your journey goes and being able to take them um, with you, but at the same time, just having somebody to rely on. And again, that's why I, I love listening to the two of you because you do uh, bounce uh, off each other very well. Now, I will admit to your listeners that, lovely, you got to tell Johnny to shut up every once in a while. Every oh, I, oh, I do. Trust me, I do. We still love him. <laughs> Yes, I, I, it's, it's like a daily basis. I have to tell him to shut up. <laughs> and you see, I'm quiet right now, right? Yeah. Thanks a lot, Tommy, for calling that out. Um, I guess I'm, I guess I'm what they call an over speaker. No, you're just extra, baby. Just I'm just extra. extra. Yeah. Yeah. She calls me extra, Tommy. Uh, she just says I'm just extra dramatic. So she just says I'm just extra, you know. Um, but well, this is you have extra hair on top of your head. That's why. <laughs> well, yes. Well. Um, yes, absolutely. I have to actually get a haircut today, which lovely actually does my hair. So, yes, unfortunately, yes. Yeah, so, lovely's going to be cutting my hair, which is fantastic. And um, how much she, did she charge you because it's not enough? No, I, well, <laughs> she charged me nothing, it's free. Uh, that's why he lets me do it. <laughs> get what you pay for. <laughs> but this is that's fantastic, though, as far as um, that. This his story. Yeah. I actually put up the video so Lovey can see it. Um, and she's looking at it right now. Yeah. And um, you can see here, right? Look at that. This gushing. And oh, wow. People don't even recognize, see what's going on. They're actually after the other person. And he's just Well, he's and the thing yeah. is, um, yeah. the Buffalo, and I can't recall his name, but the Buffalo Sabres trainer was a former military medic oh my goodness so that is what really helped save clint's life was that um the trainer knew uh what to do in that situation he stayed calm which really helped again the situation as long as the trainer stayed calm everybody else was staying calm but again um the trainer essentially saved saved his life that's oh, wow. that's an amazing amazing story that's that's a testament just to having proper training no, um, I don't think a lot of people have like you know proper training of anything of any kind. Honestly, you know we tend to always try to be a jack of all trades of some kind, and um, having that focus and then having that mindset of just being calm. Because imagine you know if, he, if the trainer wasn't calm, there's no way in the hell Clinton was going to stay calm. No, I agree. You know, 
Um, and when you have someone that knows what they're doing, it does kind of soothe you and yeah. it, it calms you down. Because the last thing you want is get him hyped up. His heart rate is pumping. That means more blood's rushing out of his neck. But I think, like in the heat of the moment, when you when you are trained like that, it's like an adrenaline rush, and you, like it just kicks in automatically. And then, so you just kind of like know what to do. Absolutely, absolutely. No, that's that's you're actually right about that, lovely. No, so Tommy, so you saw him speak. Obviously, it touched you. You know, how do you uh, how did you get him on the podcast? Like, did you go up to him? Have you spoke you know spoke to him like recently and yeah, so that's a that's an interesting question because, like I said, uh, Clint Larchuk is one of my. I mean, I played hockey. My son plays hockey, and you know, again, knowing Clint's story and hearing it, and um, matter of fact, for Christmas years ago when Clint's book came out, I got the book for my son, and I said, "Listen, dude, this this is not like a happy-go-lucky story." This talks about depression. This talks about, you know, attempting suicide. And so I really wanted my son to understand as, as you know, as a potential man that it's okay to ask for help. And that's where, again, where Clint's story really resonated with me because the one thing that uh, I talk a lot about in on my podcast is – the years of depression I've gone through and suicide attempts I've gone through. And so here's Clint Mlarchuk, a former professional athlete talking about his own depression. And so later on, so the, the way this um, seminar worked was uh, Clint had his own um, uh, workshop and it was just for men. It was, it was awesome because you really could nothing against the ladies, lovely, nothing against the ladies, <laughs> but it was really nice to be freeing, to be able to just be honest because I went, it, I went to a Catholic school and, and a lot of people, maybe your listeners will go, Oh, <laughs> that's why he's so messed up. And <laughs> it was the best four years of my life, really. But I went to a, a boys Catholic school once, once you bring in, you know, a little bit of peer pressure. So bringing girls into the situation, you really can't be yourself. So here we are in this room. Clint is talking about his story, but he just turned around and said, "Tell me your story. Tell me what your struggles are." And it, it was wonderful. And then at the end of the event, uh, his wife Joni joined him, and they did a presentation about you know years of clint going through pstd um his his battles still going through uh depression and suicide but again i, I go back to just seeing his wife joni just being so strong and being understanding that you know he what he went through and i was really nervous i i like I said, it's been about two, maybe three years since since this event, and I always, in the back of my mind, I wanted I wanted them on the podcast. I was, you know, too afraid because, again, here's one of your heroes, right? And and you don't want to take rejection. So, jo actually, Joni and I are connected on LinkedIn, and I just just reached out to her. I said, "Listen, I've been wanting to do this podcast with the two of you." And I explained to her, I really wanted to hear more about her story and how she, you know, she has to put up with a lot of what Clint was going through. 
Um, there's a story about him pointing a gun at her. I mean, there's there's just understandably what he went through. So I really wanted to hear both Clint's story and her story, but I really wanted it for uh, the ladies, really, to hear how she was able to help Clint get through uh, his moments. And I was I, I emailed her and I said, listen, my wife is really good at understanding when I'm going through my, my dark periods, my downtime, and my wife can really recognize that. And so I wanted to ask her, and we'll be asking her, how do you do it? I mean, I'm going to have to ask Lovely on this. You know, is it just an innate sense? If if you can tell if Johnny's not right, and um, what is there something that you can tell that he's, you know, possibly not his happy-go-lucky self? Well, yeah, definitely. Like, um, there's times, like, if he's having a moment or like, cause I, I know him, like normally he's like this funny outgoing character 24 seven, right? He's extra. Yeah. So when I start seeing little things that he doesn't normally do, it's already an inkling that something's going on. <laughs> and for me, because Johnny's not very vocal about, you know, his feelings or if he is feeling something, he'll try to keep it inside. But what he doesn't realize is that it already, it seeps to the surface. And I can kind of like I see a difference in him, so that's that's what lets me know like okay we need to hold on a minute let's just figure out what's going on, and I'll pull him to the side and I'll ask him like what's going on talk to me, and then that gives him like the freedom to just try to be open with me at that point. And Johnny, how do you you know? And I'm the same way. I mean, we're men. We don't like to really, which is really sad that we still in you know it's 2019 and we're still not able to just show our feelings or be able to just say to our wives or our significant others or even our male friends i'm not feeling happy i'm not feeling something right right no and it's it's a it's systemic right it's, it's we're, we're trained as little boys not to cry right you, you scrape your knee and you start crying and another man tells you what you're crying for you being a little girl um rub some know, dirt on it yeah, you know, and and I, that's where you know we always told to to suppress our feelings as men. So, you know, we're trained from a very young age to embody what someone else's idea of a man is, and which has just been kind of just passed down from generation to generation of men of what men supposed to be this manly macho person that's not supposed to cry, not supposed to show any fear, and when you don't show your emotions, you know, we we tend to hold that in. That doesn't mean that we don't have emotions um, um, and we have this overthinking of ourselves. And then we're kind of locked in this in this vessel saying we can't get out. I can't get help because I'm not supposed to. But, but the thing is, is that I, and I think this is for men in general, because you guys um, tend to go in that mode of suppressing your feelings. I guess you guys equate that with because you're, you feel like you're the only one that knows what you're going through, but you don't realize that it shows on the surface. So if someone's connected to you and someone's close to you, of course they're gonna they're gonna pick up on like, okay, your vibe is not, it's off, it's not right, you know, there's something going on. So I guess you guys don't realize that for us women, since we are the more emotional creatures, like we can sense that quickly within, you know, what's going on with you. 
No, I, I agree. I think I think for, for men, not that we're not emotional creatures either. We're just taught to to we we it, it. it's, it's actually our emotions have been stripped away from us. Right. You know, it's it's a training. It's like almost like being in the military, going to boot camp, right? You go in not knowing anything as a young little man or young woman, and you come out this disciplined person because you're beaten in the head over and over what to do. Mm-hmm. And as you're growing up, again, you're told not to play with dolls, not to do this, right? Everything that a girl does because of 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 an idea of if if my boy does this he may turn out a certain way is that is that is that am i right tommy yeah and i still believe again being that we're in 2019 that as men we're still living the 1950s where the expectation is that uh you know we go out we do our job we come home we don't talk about you know, our day, we don't talk about our feelings. We don't talk about, um, you know, Bob next door is going through divorce. We don't talk about that. And I, I, I totally agree with you. And and to Lovely's point, you know, you, you're 100% right of, you know, women being more in tuned with their emotions that it's sad that still men, men have those issues that, Oh, I'm feeling emotional. Oh, I have to repress it down. I can't, I can't share it with anybody else. And it's, it's just, it's just sad. It's just really, really sad. Yeah. Because for men, when we get together, when we speak to each other, you know, we, we, men usually just rib each other, you know, we'll poke fun of one another. You, you're really not going to get a conversation from another man about really true deep things, unless you're truly best friends. Um, I think once a man, you know, finds another man, male friend that can be truly his best friend, then they may confide in one another. But when you're amongst under other men, it's it's almost like a peacock. You have to spread your feathers and show, you know, right. how big you are and poke your chest out. You know, you either you have to be the funny one, or you have to be the most manly one, or you have to show that you know you're you're mo- the most controlling one. So with men, is always kind of a, a fight to I'm I'm going to level up above this other man. Mm-hmm. Thing is right. I'm, I'm trying to say all that without saying that. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, so it, it is a pissing contest for men where women is not. You know, you guys gossip. You guys, you know, tend to get. No, because women are catty. So what is what I'm saying? Yeah. You guys, you guys are more catty than men are. Yeah. You know, um, but I think the, the biggest thing, like I said earlier, is this matter of men. You know, as a young boy, I was taught not to cry. If I scrape my knee, what are you crying for? Man up. So it's like it's no different what you do to. Our kids now, like uh, we, yeah. our youngest is six, <laughs> yeah. and anytime he cries, it tells him to man up. Or, right, because know. that's what I'm. Tra- that's all I know to do. <laughs> like, so am I trying to break myself out of it? Absolutely. So there's times that he does cry, and I say, "Well, what's wrong?" And I start asking a question: "What's the matter? What's making you cry?" And sometimes on the other side of it, I'm like, "What are you crying for, man?" Because that's mm-hmm. in my head. That's where the first thing that comes out of my head. So to try to rewire myself. You know, or for men to try to rewire themselves, they need someone like Echo Lovely to say, "Hey, let him cry, yeah. let him feel something." You yes. know. Well, in the thing that uh, we, the three of us, have in common, you know, coming from the world of blended families, yeah. And for me, you know, I went from, you know, being a, a single dad, where you know I was my son's hockey coach. And there were times where it was, it, to me, it was funny. Even in those moments, he's a goalie. He'd let in a goal, and he would just lose it. And I'm, and this is in the first period. And I'm like, dude, we got two more periods to go. And going from that world to when I got uh, remarried to 
uh, a world of too much estrogen. <laughs> too much estrogen. He must be eating a lot of, a lot of soybeans. <laughs> um, it would be interesting because having to now be a part of young girls' lives when they would have their emotional breakdowns and I am just standing there like a, a, a bowl of jello of like, I have no idea how to help you. I just don't have the tools as you're standing there crying because you lost a piece of paper that <laughs> is your whole world. And I'm just like, my defense mechanism has always been, I just shut down or I go hide. And those were those situations where I don't know how to handle these situations with these. Uh, well, now we're t one, the oldest is 22 and uh, my other bonus daughter is uh, 17. And, but during those early days, it was like, Oh crap. I, I got to go hide under a rock. <laughs> Well, yeah, I think, too, I was lucky enough that I had a daughter already, my, my first child, and I had two boys after, so it was different. But honestly speaking, I think you do better with the girls than you do with the boys, because you're more tougher on the boys, but with the girls, you turn, like, to this big ball of mush, and they just, they have you wrapped around their fingers. They do. I tend to, to, I guess, really spend more attention to the girls. Because I want to make sure they can take care of themselves. Right. You know, with the boys, I try, you know, I, I am tough with them. Um, it's it's weird because uh, I don't like them very much. So <laughs> <laughs> I love them. I just don't like them very much. They annoy the shit out of me sometimes. Um, but um, I, I don't know why that is. I don't know why I, I, I take that route, you know. But cause boys are just different. Boys are just kind of like... They kind of run through the wall. Their focus isn't there when they're young. And and with the girls, they, their focus is there. So like Savannah, mm -hmm. she'll help me in the kitchen. I'm cooking. She wants to know everything about it. Mason could give two blips about, about whatever I'm doing. Nah, he's, he, he's, he's, he's on the his, prince of Samunda. Yeah, exactly. He's the prince of Samunda. So he, <laughs> he wants, you know, he wants to just do whatever he's doing with playing his cars or just watching YouTube. Yeah. And Savannah will see me in the kid and she'll run to me and say, Hey dad, I want to help you. And she knows, she knows what a spatula is. She's six years old. She already knows but how, it's, how it's to get like me stuff. That. It the is. boys in our household are the lazy ones. And, and the girls are the most. The girls are the go-getters. They're the yeah, ones that they want are. to stuff. <laughs> Absolutely. That's why I don't like them. <laughs> do you like any of your kids, Tommy? <laughs> I love my kids, especially when they're not here. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. And, and people who don't have kids don't understand it. Like you're raising people. Yes, they come from you. Or if not, you're a blended family. You, 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 you get these, these additional uh, children. The bonus kids. Bonus kids are beautiful to have. But, man, when they're not home, it's, it's, it's a change in the, in the environment and atmosphere. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it, and it's well. Here's here's the rant I've been on lately between um, with some of my my podcast guests who also are just like the two of you come from the world of blended family, and that is going from a, or the difference between a blended family and a traditional family, and a traditional family, you know, 
they have their own little nucleus. So there's mom, dad, and the kids. They don't, and, and I hate to generalize this, and I, and I apologize to your listeners who have traditional families, but they don't get it. They don't understand the world of blended families because not only as you know, the, the parents, not only are we dealing with our own spouse, we have to deal with our former spouses. And right. It's it's just I I have I, I've been on this tangent lately because I keep running into, for example, the families on my my son's hockey team. They just don't understand what we have to some of the hoops we have to go through for getting our kids from our house. So for example, I'm an hour away from my son. We are less than five minutes away from the girls. Well, the oldest, she 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 has her own her own place. But the point is it's not a you know, obviously you two recognize it's not a typical family. We don't no, have the same geographic location. Mm-hmm. And when you're talking to other parents, they give you the deer in the headlights look when you're telling them, oh yeah, I just drove, you know, an hour and a half from the house. And they're like, but where does he go to school? Oh, he goes to school right by his mom's house. And they're still looking at you like, I don't get it. And I, and, and maybe it's me, but I don't like having to explain my, my life to people. It's just, I, I just want to say to them, okay, here, here's the deal. We're, we're divorced, we're a blended family, yada, 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 and just move on. But there are times where we as a blended family, we do need to educate the world of traditional families because, you know, when it comes to, for example, birthday parties and it's your weekend with your child, but there's a birthday party and a sleepover. When I was first divorced, I hated that because now you you are taking time away from my son, my time with him. I have, you know, less than 48 hours with him. And now you're taking that valuable time. But once I took a step back and realized it's not about me, it's about our kids and their happiness. It it was okay. But again, it goes back to trying to educate traditional families and not to say that they have to have their schedule revolve around my schedule, but they should, but that I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> but it, it is, it's a different world coming from a, a, and blended family, blended family today means something totally different than, you know, growing up with the Brady bunch yeah. I have so many different dynamics and I love it. I find uh, somebody asked me years ago, do you think blended families are the new norm? And if you look around, yeah. It is. Yeah, with the yeah. divorce rate being so high, you know, a few years ago, that was going to be the outcome regardless. You now people finally found their, their soulmates, right? Mm-hmm. So you get married the first time, yeah, just love there. But was it the right person? Really, was it your soulmate? And pro- most likely probably not. 50% of America was, was, was divorced. So that means 50% of families are going to be blended families. Um, yeah. And that's what we have now. And I think it's a fantastic thing. And to your point too, like you have to drive hours to your son. My uh, my son also lives an hour away from us as well, yeah. so that's a two hour trip 
just going back and forth. And to your point, you have less than 48 hours. And you yeah. pick you pick them up on a Friday night, okay. take them back on a Sunday morning or Sunday like early afternoon. And that's and then you're, then you're done for another, you know, until a following week. And figuring out the splitting of holidays. Right. Logistics wise right, of holiday, who's gonna have who? Yeah. If you're gonna go on a vacation, can you take this one with you or not? You know, yeah. um, it does become a logistical nightmare sometimes. Mm -hmm. It definitely is a challenge, especially if you don't have communication yeah. or a proper relationship with your uh, former significant other, you know. Um, and that's where the whole goal is just to be civil. You know, especially for the kids, so then that way the kid can get exactly what they want from both parents, not what the parents can get from right. what they want for themselves. You know, and um, no, it's it is difficult as far as explaining to people. I don't explain nothing to no one. Like honestly, tell like for me, I just say, hey, this is my my son. This is my daughter. If they ask the situation, I say, you know what? This is my website. Read my bio, and you can figure everything out from there. Because <laughs> pretty much people know our story. Like the ones that are we surround ourselves with, they pretty much know our story. But um, what I can say is that what we've come across a lot is because there's a lot of kids. I biologically have six, he has three. So people just don't understand, like, or they can't wrap their heads around how we can fit that many people in one area. <laughs> like they, that's the that's the thing that we get all the time. They assume we live in a cardboard box. <laughs> that's that's one, you know. Yeah. But is that and that's not the case because most of them, like, like Tom, you have an oldest one, like you said, is 22. She has her own place, and we have the same thing. We have a 22 year old, she has her own place as well. So they're not all together at one time, you know. Um, but it's so I kind of want to track back a little bit, Tom, because you know, you also said earlier that you know, you also suffer from depression, and that how, how did your divorce play into that? Did you were you depressed before your divorce, or were you depressed during your marriage? Like, Give me some more detail on that. So, uh, quite honestly, my depression was at a very, very young age. I want to say probably, let's see, fifth, fifth, it probably started in fifth grade. Wow. Um, I think my first suicide attempt was sixth grade. And I, you know, I know it sounds heavy, but I, I laugh about it now um, because. I took uh, a bottle of children's aspirin. So my joke is that I can never have a heart attack because that was always things that people recommend. Doctors say, <laughs> if you're having a heart attack, take some children's aspirin. <laughs> for, you know, at least two, three lifetimes. So I'm never going to have a heart attack. Right. Um, but, you know, not to, I don't want to put any blame, but, I want to say somehow my parents' divorce really okay. honestly affected me. And I, I don't know where the gap is. And it, it's really, it, I'm, I'm trying to explain as best I can, but I really don't know how, what triggered it. But there was, there's something that, and I've gone through years of therapy, I'll admit it. Um, but there were times that, uh, things would trigger it. I mean, I had, you know, a girlfriend dump me and maybe it was an abandonment issue. Maybe, oh my gosh, we're, are we doing therapy now? Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> we're I think we're having a breakthrough. That's uh, maybe that's what it was. Maybe it was an abandonment oh. issue. And, um, you know, the, the gist of that is that my mom actually had to hide the knives 
in our household after that. Um, even, I mean, yeah, after, after my divorce, I, I, you know, again, it goes back to our, our conversation. You know, if I think if I was a woman, I think I would be able to be more open with women friends because again, going back to Lovely's point about you know women having that higher emotional IQ, when I went through my divorce, I'll never forget. I was because my my uh, day job, uh, I do a lot of uh, software training, so I do a lot of traveling. So during that divorce, I was on the road, and I'll never forget. I'm sitting in a room doing some uh, work, and somebody said to me, "Well, Tommy." Uh, you know, you're married. And I turned around and held up my left hand. I said, no, because I had my wedding ring off. And he said, when did that happen? I said, uh, uh, this past Sunday. And he's like, what? You you didn't tell anybody? Do you need to talk about it? And I'm like, no, I'm good. Because as a man, I did not want to bring my personal life into the workplace. Right. And I, I, I call it having my little red wagon. Right. We all have our little red wagon of stuff, and I, I left my little red wagon back home, and so, uh, it, it's probably been quite honestly, Johnny and Lovely. It's probably been a probably eight months since I've had any kind of major depression episode, um, and and quite honestly, that's partially because I, I would have to say I finally have a full time job that that can provide for the family versus um, not. <laughs> and so to, to go back to the original question, yeah, I, I probably for some reason suffered early depression. And I mean, each day isn't always, a, you know, smelling roses, but um, you know, it, it really is fake it till you make it. So when people say to me, well, how are you doing today? And I, I give them my standard answer. It's a day above ground. Right. Wow. I was reviewing the side full. Yeah, it is. Reviewing the side full. Uh, everyone goes to some shit, you know? Everybody does. And we do tend to put our best representative up mm-hmm. when times are hard. And I think honestly, like you know, when I had my divorce, it was tough as well. Um, not knowing what to do next, um, not knowing who you are. Having to start over. Yeah, having to start over and and trying to find a person. And at first, I didn't want to do that at all. I was like, you know what? I ain't trying to get with no one else. Um, the hell he put me through. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's that's a great point. And I'm gonna ask Lovely with. With your friends that have gone through divorce, have have they gone right into a relationship or or have they taken time to like Johnny was just saying, trying to find themselves? Um well, okay, so this is just a little bit about my background. Like I really don't have too many people that I call close friends. So I'm gonna just speak on one person that because she was actually um actually legally married. So this is just an example that I can pull from. She was the type, and this is, mind you, she was married three or four times. So she was successful. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I think she's on her fourth marriage now. But she kind of was the one that would like 
break up and get divorced. And then within a few months was in a new relationship, if you kind of get my drift. So I don't know if she ever really gave herself time to like figure out who she was and what she wanted. And to even really think about what was the thing that went wrong within each relationship. So for what I can say is that her husband now, they've been going strong for quite some time. So I think she kind of figured it out now. But um, I don't know, because I, I really, before even getting with Johnny, like most of my friends were single. They never really, they weren't in like a marriage status. So for me, I guess that's the only example I can bring into, into play. But I think... I can even speak maybe on my own situation, but not being married, but just relationships. I don't think women tend to give themselves enough time to heal so that they can move on. Because I've always been told it's better to, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's better to get with another one or to get under another one so that you can kind of forget, yeah, get over the last one. So I think that's what most women kind of go through. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't really have that many experience to speak on about. No, I think at, at that point too, I think a lot, a lot of us aren't taught again, it comes down to being, being taught, being emotional, laying in emotion. Like what Tommy said, you know, he wasn't going to bring his, his red wagon to work, which I understand to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. As soon as I walk to that front door, my family's left behind everything. I'm, I'm single. I'm solo. I'm just being the nomad that I am at work. Right. Um, and it kind of desensitizes you a lot. Um, because now you're just focused on work and you really can't be your true self. You got to embody this professional, but that professional is not including the part that he loves the most, which is his family, right. his spouse, or whoever. Absolutely, because that's what again, that's that's what you're conditioned to do as well. Right. Even in corporate America, you are conditioned to say "fuck the family." It's all about these K, you know, these KPIs and these goals that we have, and that's it. That's all that matters. Mm-hmm. And I have to really give applause to the younger generation of millennials because they're changing the game. With the work environment, well, yeah, they're bringing the fucking dogs to work. But besides that, they're really, really about more family oriented. And you now companies are are giving into that, saying, "Hey, we're having a work event, but you can bring your family." Um, and those things have been changing the last couple of years. And I, I think that's because real people have made real decisions. To say, you know what? You can have both. Of course, no doubt about it. You can't really bring your child to work with you, but but jobs now or businesses actually have daycares in, uh, um, inside the, the corporations. They make it more accessible. So, you know, the biggest thing for me, I think, Tommy, is to your point, like, you know, it, it's it comes down to understanding what you want, how you want to get it, and the, t- the length of time that you decide to give yourself to heal. I think that's the, that's the most important thing is just giving yourself time to heal. Because like even when when Johnny and I got together, he was what it was a year into you being separated because you weren't even divorced at that time, and I was a year being separated from the person that I was with for eleven years. So we knew going in like we started as a friendship kind of thing, but we knew going in that we had some past things that we had to kind of deal with and we both weren't ready at the at the time to like just jump in full-fledged into a, a relationship so it took us some time and I think for us what what worked was because it was a long distance relationship um it actually gave us time to focus on getting to know each other mentally and emotionally rather than just physically right 
So I think that's what helped us. Well, uh, kudos to both of you because, like I said, I am I am a huge fan of your podcast because I know the two of you have talked about not only like you were just talking about lovely about your long distance relationship, but also that you know you really don't label you know it's Johnny's kids, it's Lovely's kids, it's right. your kids. Um, you know, for us, we started off with removing the word step. We use the word bonus, and you know, even even we're in a very similar situation now. It, it is, you know, this is, my wife will say, this is our son. I'll say, these are, these are my daughters. Um, the girls will say, this is our annoying brother, right. you know, things like that, which really does represent family. And so I, again, kudos to the two of you where you did realize that getting out of, you know, your relationships that you did need time to figure out who, who you number one who you are and who you want to be and then putting in the in the back burner all right when i start dating who is that person and i and it's funny because i i was curious asking you lovely because from from my world of of coaching dads and men that a lot of times it's the man who once once they step out that door after you know separation divorce they're looking for their next mrs wrong and same thing with some of the women they are looking for the next mr wrong and so i think that when it comes to especially right after uh a breakup of a marriage or a relationship to really take a step back and figure out what do i want to do i mean uh, one of my favorite uh, authors is Darren Hardy and Darren Hardy years ago was the editor chief editor of success magazine and he talks about when you build a business everybody first thing they talk about is you have to have a business plan well the first thing you should have is a a personal plan well what is that for example where do you want to work do you want to travel do you want to work weekends do you want you know what what's that you know, how far do you want to drive? And to relate it to what we were just talking about, and that is, well, who am I? What do I really want to do? Do you right. want to stay in this town? Now, if you're a parent, that's a different world. I mean, that's, that's you know, I, I go back to uh, many, many years ago on the History Channel watching the biography of Tim Conway, the, the actor, the comedian, and he talked about after his divorce, he bought a house that was like a few doors down from his former wife and kids so he can still see them on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. and so that was one of the things I, when after my divorce, I wanted to make sure that I was still in the same neighborhood, um, you know, still close by. And so again it, it went back to me taking a step back going all right what do i want to do well the first what i want to do is build that relationship with my son especially when you're not in that household so um that's you know that was my thinking is all right how do i build a relationship when i'm not there and especially you know in the world of being a road warrior how do i maintain my relationship with my son and one of the the tricks i did was when he was first learning how to read, I would send him postcards from wherever I was at. Right. And so, again, 
I had to find my why, and my why was my son. That's fantastic. That really is. Um, but that shows your sensitive side, right? That shows the side that we kind of suppressed, and you, you made yourself kind of overcome that. Mm -hmm. But I sent that postcard. That meant a lot. And, but you also communicated in a way that was the way your son would receive it, not so much about you and how you want to communicate. Right. And that, right. I think that, that's the biggest thing as well I think a lot of parents tend to miss is that we want to communicate to our children or even to our significant other, and we tend to communicate the way we want to uh, communicate, but not to the person that's receiving it. And that's a dynamic that has to change, you know? How do I do for you, lovely? Oh, oh boy. She took a deep <laughs> breath, Tommy. Uh-oh. She walked into something. As far as making sure that I, I communicate with you in a way that you receive, not just the way I want to, oh, how I receive it. First of all, you're a horrible communicator. That's what but... I'm fucking talking about. <laughs> let's, let's be as honest as we can no, right here, lovely. You know why? Because he, he has these conversations in his head. That he thinks he's, he tells me or he informs me of what the conversation was about. But it's happening solely in his head. And then when the topic comes up, he's like, oh, remember we talked about it? I'm like, no. Um, and that's because he had the conversation in his head, not with me. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm clueless. I don't know what the hell he's talking about. But, yeah, that's why I say he's a horrible communicator. <laughs> Come on, you two did that show about the love languages. Well, well yeah, he didn't know what I was talking about. <laughs> I, I tell me, I gave him, I gave him the link to the website. I asked him, did he read it? He's like, oh, I didn't get nothing. I resent it. <laughs> and so that, and the only reason he opened it and looked at it was so he didn't have to hear my mouth. Right. That's absolutely. Or hoping it was porn. <laughs> I <had> that too. <laughs> okay. So yeah, so I mean, but other than that, like, but no, seriously, when we when we sit down to actually have like the big talks and you know talk about what's going on within the family and you know just informing each other what we need to inform each other on, you know, he does pretty good with that. Like we we actually make sure we take time and set time aside to have those big conversations because. As we mentioned before, like we're we're passing each other by each day because I'm a night person, he's a day person, and by the time I'm waking up, he's going to sleep. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> right. <laughs> so we make sure that we, uh, you know, we take that time to actually just sit down and just kind of go through our day to day, and you know, just go through what we need to to go through to stay on top of everything. Yeah, I, I think I, I like to reference our marriage to to like the la lighthouse keeper. The lighthouse keeper. Right. Yeah. Just because of the fact there's someone that does take care of the lighthouse during the day and there's someone that does take care of the lighthouse at night. <laughs> so and we someone on the clock 24 It's someone on the clock 24-7 and we tend to meet up at the perfect time to make sure that we're maintaining the light of the lighthouse. Right. And if we don't do that, one of us is definitely failing. Our job was going to fail our family and others yeah. as well. So, us being together and being that 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 lighthouse keeper together is is a it's a weird dynamic, but it works for us. Like, I mean, I work for another family, no, it, but it works it for works us. It works for us because we we just let each other be. Like, I don't try to change you. You don't try to change me. And we've taken the good and the bad, and you know we've meshed it all into one, and and we're accepting of it. So that that's why it works. But she tends to remind me a lot of how much bad I have. <laughs> 
<laughs> I just tell you extra. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Tommy, what's what is next for for Tommy? Like, what's what's going on for 2019 for you? Great question. Um, one of my uh, well, uh, my two biggest goals. Uh, something you mentioned in the intro. I have a. A uh, book called My Dad's Advice at 5.04 a.m. Trying to get that published. Uh, it's The book is based on uh, two things. One, um, advice I received from my dad when my son Connor was born. It was some messed up advice, and I still love my dad for it. <laughs> and then it's also based on when uh, I did my TEDx talk. I, I talked about the advice. My, my dad essentially said, uh, when I called him the morning of when my son Connor was born, I said, Hey, congratulations. You're a grandfather. And he said, well, do you know what your, your role is as, as a, as a parent, as a dad? And I said, well, I, I, I hesitated and I'm thinking and I'm going, uh, I guess to, to love my son as best I can. He goes, no, it's to screw him up as best you can. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay. Okay, so I I took and ran with it, and so when when I started thinking about okay, how can I be, uh, you know, not a great dad, but a, just a good dad, and so some of the things uh, like I talked about after the divorce, I did the sent my son the postcards, which he still has to this day, and he um, is fifteen years old. The other thing is uh, whenever when he was in grade school and the teachers were doing field trips and they'd send out an email for chaperones, I was always the first one to respond back. So I always made sure that uh, whatever field trips the kids went on, I was always there. And so, like I said, get the the, the book finally published. Um, I'm, I know Johnny and I, to, to Johnny and Lovely's listeners, Johnny and I talk consistently one of the things I've been toying around because, again, because I do travel a lot is possibly creating a new travel-type podcast uh, for the new year. Still playing around with it. Uh, other than that, it's just uh, me being me and trying to be a good uh, husband and dad and podcast host. <laughs> it's, it's fun, isn't it? It's fun. Isn't it fun that, you know, talking to other people and just discovering that you're not alone, that other people have issues too. <laughs> well, in, in <laughs> not to sound, not to sound condescending, but that's why I love listening to your podcast <laughs> are so funny. And I sit there and I'm either in an airport or in an airplane, or I'm going for a walk or I'm on the treadmill and I'm listening going, Hey, here is two people that are as fucked up as my family. I love it. Yeah, yeah and and honestly, Tommy, we we're, we're very honest on our podcast. Yeah, we try to, you know, you know, and no doubt we have our personal stuff that we keep to ourselves. Really? Yes. Yeah, so really? Well, like I mean, to a certain degree, because I I'm an I'm pretty much an open book, and there's nothing that I'm not willing to talk about. Yeah, let's 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 just go there. Mm -hmm. the, the whole PMS episode. Hello. Well, that, that was his idea, first of all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I was listening. It's it's real life. It happens. If you heard me, I was highly annoyed. I was not in the mood. <laughs> that was all Johnny's idea. Hey, I wanted to capture in Wait, the he moment. He was even trying to capitalize on it. Absolutely. Hey, I'm a capitalist of my heart. Yeah. Are you ever going to get laid again from from oh, literally lovely lady sitting next to you? <laughs> After that episode, I'm going. Yeah, I screwed myself up big time with that one. But you know what? It's probably one of our greatest ones that we got. Yeah. We got hits on. That's <laughs> a lot of the because the thing is, is that you know you you come you're talking from a real place. You're, yeah. you're talking from something that that millions of people are going through or experience, and but nobody talks about it yeah, because everyone's, everyone's thinking it. man. <laughs> yeah, everyone's thinking it, yeah. but it's just like, hey, I think that's what we challenge ourselves to. Tom is like, you know what? When if we were to have you know, walls around us or brackets around us and saying, hey, this is what we're going to exclusively talk about, then we are going to be kind of just with the cattle. Yeah, no. You know, we're going to be kind of boring. We're not going to be our true selves. So we mm -hmm. said, you know what? We're going to be ourselves. We're gonna just going to go ahead and, and have conversations and and, have and and have fun with it and then see where it goes from there. And, and if it's successful, great. If it's not, then hey, that's fine too. But I, we're going into this really with no expectations, just to have fun. Yeah, and and for me, it's like it gives us just more quality time to spend with each other. Absolutely, so that, that's my big take from it. But absolutely, and then we get to talk to interesting people, um, like yourself, yeah. you know, uh, which is fantastic. It just shows us that hey, you know what, um, people are listening. People are, are getting something from it. That's the thing I get amazed about that there's people actually listening to us. <laughs> like, like, holy shit, people are actually listening to us. Yeah. Oh, I know the feeling. Believe me. <laughs> so, so Tommy, so, and you spoke about the concept of your, of your podcast this year, you know, because you're, you're traveling. And, um, you know, me and Tommy speak a lot. Me and Tommy actually met via IG about over a year ago now, Tommy. Believe that. Yeah. Um, we talking to each other even after that. Yeah, so it's um we we didn't celebrate our anniversary, so I'm kind of mad at you. I'm waiting for the flowers. <laughs> waiting for the flowers. All right, I'm sorry, sweetheart, I got you. <laughs> um, so but um, you know, and and I was on Tommy's podcast wow in late 2017. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, it's been been that long. Yeah. It was like the end of the year of 2017, as I recall, and um, I always listen to it because um. Uh, he was he was just very instrumental in really trying to get me to open up about being a blended family, um, and 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 talking about how we do our thing, how we do our part, and how we met, and how we got the kids to meet, um, and to see how Tommy has grown and he's helped me grow a lot this past year, twenty eighteen, and to have him as as a um, not just as an he's really to me he's a friend, you know he's really a true friend, um, always there. Whenever I need him, and I try to be for the same thing for him too. He texts me, whatever. Mm -hmm. I try to respond as quick as possible as I can to make sure he understands. Hey, you know what? You're important to me, and I think when you have people in your life, um, you have to do that. I got to say, I was very bad at that, and I'm making a conscious effort now in my later years to ensure that you know what the friendships that I do have, that those connections are there. And I get it. No, Tommy travels. He's busy. So if I text him, he doesn't get back to me right away. I'm fine with that. I understand. And when he does, he gets back to me and he's fully engaged. And that's what you want. And and I'm so happy and proud of him because of this book that he's going to come out with, of the of of the trajectory he's going to put his podcast into with this traveling podcast. I think it's amazing. I think it's something that is needed. It's different. It's just going to kind of, you know, kind of shake up the ground a little bit. So very proud of you, dude. Well, very very proud of you. And the the one thing 
again, this is why I'm still toying with the idea, but you know, something that you know we've talked about is when when you are somebody who travels a lot and in my situation, I'm alone a lot. And it's okay. I'm 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 okay with being alone. You know, I work with with people that you know, at the end of the day, they're like, hey, we're going out to dinner here. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm going back to the hotel room. That's my comfort zone. And so I think when it comes to uh, men, at times, we're not okay with being alone. And it takes, it takes a lot for us to admit or, or, or to work on being alone. And so that's why um, one of the things I really want to focus on is letting others know male female uh that it's okay to be alone it's okay you know to have that me time and so um again uh, you know that's again just toying with the idea but um i want to say kudos to you too johnny i mean uh i i love i love our our friendship i love our relationship and um i i'm thinking about I was in Toronto a couple months ago, and I was—I had a Lyft driver who was—he was probably around, maybe, maybe around a millennial type age. He was a young guy, and he—he he was taking me back to the hotel, and he said, um, he was telling me that the hotel I was staying at, he and his friends, like once a quarter, will meet up at that hotel, and they'll have a room, and they'll hang on the bar and just have uh the there's two rules one is no cell phones so they have to leave their cell phones either at home or, or back in the room and number two no girlfriends and so what they do is they have these honest conversations and i said to this guy i said can you honestly say to one of your friends look them in the eye and say i'm battling depression or um even uh, um, maybe maybe I'm having an eating disorder, or or maybe I'm having a, a you know alcohol issue. Can you do that? And he said yes, and I think hopefully what what you and I are are trying to attempt in in our uh, media world, Johnny, is that we can show other men and our brothers out there that it's okay to admit that we need help and it's okay to ask for help, but it goes back to our original conversation. And that is God bless in your situation, Johnny, you have an awesome partner and God bless my wife who, who again, there are days where she has permission to smack me because <laughs> I probably deserve it, but it goes back to, it's okay to ask for help. And I just, I, I guess that'll be my takeaway for your listeners, and I will be stealing this audio and using it for my listeners. is is okay to ask for help, and um, male, female, it doesn't matter. Young, old, ask for help. It's not a weakness; it's a sign of. <laughs> Absolutely, no. That's you hit the nail right in the head right there. Um, it's huge, and I think because we are of the older generation right now going into it, to have younger men hear that from us, it's something that they don't get to hear a lot of. I see something happening with you two in the near future. 
Yes. Just by having this conversation, I see you guys putting together some kind of retreat for men where you guys can sit down and have your little talks and, you know, just male bonding kind of thing. Oh my gosh, that's a brilliant idea. <laughs> yes, she does. That's why I keep her around. You, you understand. Like, I'm a stupid ass. So to have her. I see, I see it. Wow. Well, um, okay, you heard it here first. We will. Um, we're gonna have to plan a retreat some kind. Plan and, a retreat. Yes. And we could, we'll we'll um, record it, of course, and have like a wow time. I have things going in my head right now. <laughs> she just said that we're gonna have to offline really uh, get together and kind of. And I would say definitely Colorado because oh, yeah. weed is legal over there. Um, <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh, it is. I'm not aware of that. Snow skiing. Snow skiing. You're thinking about weed. Okay. Yeah, you know, and it's it's a beautiful state. You know, so it's um, I, I would love to. I haven't gone to Colorado yet. Okay. So I've been around the country a lot, and I haven't been. Well, just to let you know, I'll be in Colorado with you, but I won't. You'll be with Tommy's you. wife. Yeah, yeah. Me and her, we'll be shopping. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna have to. Yeah. No, I think that's wow. That's fantastic. I think I think that's what men don't have a lot of though. No, but I I see the way. I mean, just because the vibe that you guys have, and the conversation. You guys have a lot in common. I see something like you guys putting something together, you know, whether it be a group of guys, I don't know how many guys, but just you guys having a guy's weekend kind of thing. I like that. I love it. Wow. Lovely that's, idea. <laughs> lovely idea for real. <laughs> that's that's an amazing idea. We're gonna have to uh on a on a on the back end get together, Tommy, and really kind of hammer things out with that and see how that goes. Um well, That's, here I got an idea. Let's throw it out to our listeners as well. Yeah, absolutely. If, if you're a gentleman and you feel insecure about your emotions and you feel like you really can't talk to your friends and you feel more comfortable talking to strangers, um, you can uh, definitely contact uh, me through my through my DM and IG, um, Johnny Nomad underscore. You can also go to Couples Corner, Couples Corner underscore, and hit me up through my DM. Um, on Instagram, and from there, let, let us know your interests, and me and Tommy will get together and we will formulate something, and uh, we will get back to you, you know, in a timely manner, of course, uh, what the idea is and how you can participate in that. I think that's a um, fantastic, fantastic idea of um, trying to get people to understand how to deal with their emotions, and and maybe we invite some special professional guests. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, to give professional assistance and, and advice because Tommy and I are far from professionals, but okay. we can definitely speak. We have testimonies of our own that we can definitely link up and 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 really have that people know we are normal folks. And um, our testimonies, are, I think, are very are very strong and um, can probably definitely influence someone in the right way. Wow. Wow. That's a lovely. You're just amazing. You're welcome. <laughs> You're thank you. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic man um tommy as, as long as i've known you so far right you have i gotta i gotta just let people know this because tommy has helped me out a lot in 20 2018 like he helped me self-publish my, my my book purpose and because of him writing a second book called inside out a very small one but it was both put on amazon did fairly well people were interested and people bought it which is fantastic and I've written all my life since I was 13, pretty much. And not until I met him is when I had the nerve to really 
push it out there and put it out there. I always question my writing. Lovely always said she thought my storytelling was great, things of that nature. She's still waiting for, for my book, Brooklyn Love, <laughs> which I'm going to put out this year to the end of the year that people know. I'm, I'm going to come up with a campaign for it. Um, I'm 22 chapters in already. Wow. Um, it's it's seven years old. Yeah, wow. he, he's got me waiting for the, the ending for seven yeah. years. It's an it's a urban romance. And Lovely convinced me to a point where we actually mapped out a, now I was it was going to be one book. No, it's now, now it's going to be a series. Lovely helped me map it out the series this past summer where we're in the pool because we always well, we love being in the pool, and um, we do our best thinking in the pool, our best talking in the pool. So um, we were just mapping things out and became a series. I actually have four titles, and we ha I actually have a rough uh, draft of ideas of what those four books will become. Um, so I would say by the end of this year, the book would be released. He gets, um, he gets mad at me because I call him Paul Sheldon. <laughs> yes, I hate it. From the from the movie Misery, I'm like, are you gonna break my ankles with a sledgehammer? <laughs> Please don't videotape that. No, no, I mean, probably will, but um, you know, so uh, yeah, so that's gonna come out, and I'm I, so I, I want to by saying so by saying all that, it's because of of Tommy's spark, his nudge, his push getting me out of my, my, my comfort zone and saying, challenge yourself. Fuck what everyone else says about your writing and just get it out there. Yep. Um, really made me even get me more motivated to continue on writing. And not so much to make a dollar off of it, but just to say, hey, I can die now and say I'm a, I'm a published author. I'm a writer. Yep. I'm, I'm proud of it. And um, you, should be. you definitely should be, Johnny. You should definitely should be, you know, and that's the thing is, a lot of people don't I'm, – I'm right now, for anybody that loves to read, I'm going to tell you, the book to get right now is uh, by David Goggins, G-O-G-G-I-N-S. Uh, David Goggins is a former Navy SEAL. I talk about a badass mofo, David Goggins. And, you know, he talks a lot about um, we don't – uh, as humans, we don't think about our daily wins. And for you, Johnny, that's a win. I mean, that's a huge win, knowing that, you know, you have taken the time to put, you know, pen to paper, so to speak. But we we always focus too much on the negative things that go wrong, but we tend to forget the good things that go right. Even as minute as they can be, I think our, our world will be better off if we remember the, and, and not an egotistical thing, just the good things that we've done. And that's, and kudos again to, to you lovely of supporting him and helping him and kicking his ass when he needs it. Well, I, I'm, I mean, I'm all for everything he does. Like he, he has such a creative mind and I think what, what Johnny his problem is, is that he is always focused on giving of himself to others and doing for others, but he never takes the time to do or give to himself. And I want him to, I want him to feel fulfilled. I want him to live his dreams. I want him to be able to, to say at the end of the day, like he checked everything off of his bucket list and he's happy because the, the same way I want that for him, he shows that for me. So it's like it, it goes hand in hand. Like he he doesn't 
never complains about anything I want to do, whether it's going to Michael's for planners or whatever it is, anything that I have my heart set on, he allows me to do, do what I want to do. So that's, and, and like I said before, like that's part of what makes us unique and what makes us great is because we play into the fact that we, we let each other be who we, we are and we don't, we're not focusing on trying to change that person. Like I want him just the way he is and I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah, that wow. It's you're right in everything you just said. You're absolutely right. You know, I, I married you for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I married you to change you, then the reason is gone. Yeah. You know, and the whole premise of being together, no doubt you are gonna grow, you're gonna change. That's for me to adapt to that and vice versa. But I think by us allowing each other to do to to be who we want to be and live in our own spaces that gives us the room to grow with each other. Like, cause we're not on two different pages. We're, we're pretty much on the same page in the same chapter and we're moving along together. It's not like you're progressing and I'm kind of stagnant and I'm in the back. Like we're both making moves at the same time. We both have, I, you know, create, creates, create, ugh, creative ideas flowing constantly. So we're, and we're always feeding off of each other. So I think by us doing that is like, we're not, we're not leaving anybody behind. We're, we're, we're just right along side by side. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're absolutely right about that. And I think the fact that, that we are that way, you know, we have gotten strong and we, we feel like we've been married longer. We haven't even hit our one year anniversary for marriage yeah, yet. It hasn't even been a year. Yet. March? <laughs> March? Yeah, yeah. March 4th. March 4th is going to be our uh, one year anniversary being married. And um, it's cool. And like we don't, lovely doesn't really celebrate Valentine's either. I mean, when we were dating, it was cool. We had this conversation. Yeah. I saw them. I really wasn't expecting anything for Valentine's um, this year because when we were dating, it, to me, it was more of him proving himself kind of thing. But now we're together. We've been together. How many more boxes of chocolate and a stuffed teddy bear are you gonna give me? <laughs> <laughs> so. I think I have enough. I think that, you know, maybe, you know, us going out for dinner and just having a date or whatever is cool. <coughs> but, <clears throat> excuse me, but to physically have to like purchase something for me, no. Now, if you want to buy me a necklace or sure. a pair of earrings, I gladly appreciate it. If it's a Michael's core bag, she'll definitely take yes. it. <laughs> no, no pressure. <laughs> no pressure whatsoever. That's no pressure. You know, um, and, and it's it's funny you said because when when I talk to Tommy and, and Tommy talks about how his blended family works, you know, it's very similar how we work, and it's it's kind of like it's it's very good to hear. Yeah, it's very because you do hear some horror stories out there. Well, yeah, you do, and and let me tell you because I follow um you know me and my Facebook groups, I follow like this uh stepmom kind of and the stuff that these women be talking about. It's like because to me. You know, you go into a, a relationship, you go into a marriage, you have kids, the person has kids. It, to me, it's it's common sense that you're just going to try to formulate a bond with those kids. But these women, like half of them, they, they talk about these kids like if they were like animals <laughs> or like if it was just something that they didn't want to be a part of. But it, and it makes me think like, wow, like there's really some women out there. And and then that's where a lot of women get the bad label of 
you know, not being a good stepmom or whatever, because you have those women that really just don't care for those kids and they make it known and it's all about their kids. Wow. Wow. What do you say about that, Tommy? (laughs) Well, I think when you are about to go into, uh, let's say a dating relationship with somebody who has kids, don't come in. It's your way or the highway BS. It's not, you have to let them, you know, it's like a dog, a dog has to trust you. Same thing with kids. They have to trust Mm -hmm. you. It's, it's takes time. And so that was the biggest life lesson I learned right away was I wasn't going to come in and try and change anybody. I was just going to come in and say, Hey, I'm here. I'm here to support you. I love your mom. And, we're going to move on from there. But mm-hmm. yeah, I've seen too many relationships where somebody comes in and they're like, it's my way. You have to do it this way and it can work. Yeah. No, it's not going to work that way. It's not. And that's anything in life, whether it's business, family, mm-hmm. you know, you have to be flexible. You have to be willing to adjust and, and pivot. And if, and if you don't with the family, especially, then you're going to have a hard life mm-hmm. and it's not going to work out in your relationship at all. But then again, let's keep in mind the kids are, are good judge judges of character. So they're they're gonna know right off the bat if you're being genuine. Right. Or if you're just putting up a facade. And like for me particularly, my goal was just to be my normal self. Like I wanted to be the same way with my bonus kids, the way I was with my kids. Like I didn't want to treat them any differently. Cause I, I felt like they're you know they're they're human beings and they come from you if i love you then that that's part of you so i have to show them the best me that i can show them and which is just me being me i i didn't want to put up a front or anything especially cuz there, there was um our oldest yeah. involved and girls that's that could be a more tough situation because they're looking at it like uh hold on now you're coming into sacred territory and so they could have been some backlash between me and her but we hit it off right away so it was just again they're good they're good judges of character so i think gotta give them more credit than people tend not to give them yeah i think yeah i think as adults we tend to not take the lead from the kids and that's what we i think we should take the lead from what do you think about that tommy Oh, I agree. And the you and don't force the kids into situations. Um, you know, let let them just naturally either like each other or hate each other. Just don't force anything. Yep. No, absolutely. It's it's insane how uh, you still see parents do that with their their regular kids at the same time. Too. And I think if yeah. if you had a, you know. If you have a tough time raising your own kids, then you're gonna have a tough time trying to get together with bonus kids yeah, as well. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, so that's something. again. But I think that, like if you're screwed up from the beginning, before you get married or have children, it's yeah. gonna affect your married life as well. Or if you try to go into the situation where you're trying to buy the kids' love, yes, that's, yes, that's where you're gonna go wrong. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yep. Wow. This was a good talk. This was right. Great conversation, Tommy. This was awesome. We, we should do this more often. Yes. No, definitely. I think Tommy should be a special once a month guest. Oh, yeah. A re- recurring guest. A recurring guest. Definitely. So I, th- I think that's that would be a yeah. great idea. All right. And, if, and if we ever make it to Colorado before this retreat, <laughs> definitely going to be looking you up. <laughs> <laughs>
You two have a place yeah. to stay here. Oh, thank you so much for that, man. We wouldn't want to burden you with, with, with no, we nine have, of we us. Come in, tribe. We come with a tribe. So. <laughs> no, no, no. Just the two of you. Thank Just, you. Oh, okay. Yeah, because now we'll be we'll be yeah. pitching a tent in the oh, yard. No. Yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. But oh, this was awesome. I, I I had a blast. And to your listeners, these two they're gonna be worldly famous. You just any day now. Seriously. Thank you. Thank you for that. Yes. People, listeners, audience, you just heard a discussion with the infamous, the famous, the podcaster, the author. What, what's the name of your, his podcast again? Blended Family. Okay. So, yep. You guys need to go and check that out and listen. Yeah. And, support Tommy. Yes. And definitely watch out for his, his TEDx. Uh, well, Tommy, what's your website? Blendingofthefamily.com. And he has a video of his TEDx talk on there. Definitely watch it. Tommy's a very funny gentleman. Yes, I know you got a fan right here. <laughs> so definitely check him out. And uh, Tommy, we would definitely be in touch because we need to talk about this retreat. Yes, you do. Yes, we do. <laughs> All right, Tommy, have a good one. You too. Thanks for letting me hang. Definitely. All right.